Do you have any champions out? Uh, we have three. So I'm gonna stun a champion and draw a card. Wow, okay, I'm gonna get a good hit out there too this time, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, plus two for each champion is 10, 18, 23, 25. 25, let me see if there's any of these punks that I wanna take out though. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, our pirate crews pull out all their low-down sneaky tricks to grab all the booty in Scuttle. Next, we become titans of trade, growing our fortunes in the port city of San Juan. And lastly, we shuffle up our swords and sorcery to deal out the damage in Hero Realms. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hi, I'm Ed Povolitis. And once more onto the brief, dear gamers, once more. Hi, I'm Joe Onfried. I didn't ask to be super, and I'm no hero. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I'm not the hero you deserve, but the one you need right now. Hey, Joe, how can our listeners help us grow the show with little effort in almost no time and for free? Collecting returnable bottles tossed out of windows at highway rest stops? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but if they leave us a review or a rating on their favorite podcaster, it can really help. So listeners, wherever you get this podcast, if you get a chance, please leave us a review or even just a rating. It will help other people find us in the bustling audioverse. Our first game this week is Scuttle, designed by Peter C. Hayward, published by Jellybean Games in 2016. Number of players, one to five, ages six and up, runtime, five to 10 minutes. Okay, first impressions. Ed, let's start with you. Oh, cool, the Pirate King. Oh, what, what do you mean the game's over? <laughs> <laughs> Mike? A deck full of loot? What more do you need? Joe. It's a fine reflection of what the life was probably like for most pirates. Rags and ruin one day, triumph and treasure the next. Looking at the small deck size and the speed of play, I was confident that Scuttle would not wear out its pirate welcome with rules or length. But before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about how it's played. You're dealt a four-card hand. The cards are arranged much like an ordinary deck, but have two uses. Most cards can count as a treasure or be used as a special ability. In single player games where it's player versus player, you need to get 21 doubloons to win. In teams, you need to get 30. So it's a race to get to the treasure before the other side gets you. So I know you guys played this at PAX mm -hmm. um, and uh, got a copy from the publisher or did you get it from the designer? Uh, they're the same. In the case. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and you played at the con. How was that? It was a nice break. I'll tell you that we, we did a lot of walking around and it was cool to just sit down and break out one of the smaller games and, and play it right there on the spot. Yeah. It was quick to learn too. You know, yeah. We're up and playing in, inside of five minutes. I think we played it what? Three times. At least twice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't remember though. It went by so fast. It could have been three. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and when we played uh, here, I really appreciated the speed of this game. Mm -hmm. And yet it didn't feel like it, it didn't feel like it was too quick for lack of rules. Yeah. It just felt like that was the natural progression of the game. Yeah. You kind of learn the rules as you go too, because the different cards have different abilities and you kind of start to figure out what you can potentially do in the game just by the cards you have in your hand. 
Yeah, I mean, the rules are very simple. It's just, uh, you've got a card, you can either play a card that you have or draw a new one. Yep. That's it. That's your turn. <laughs> That's it. Yep. So your hand size is pretty important, actually. Well, honestly, uh, most of the games I see, the uh, you're not going to have any opportunity to draw cards. You wait to turn drawing <laughs> a card, the game is going to be over before you get to play it like I did. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like none of these cards are able to stop that. Ten, I just saw hit the table. Let me draw a card. Oh, the game's over. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to play this cannon. Money. Done. What are we at? Uh, we are at or 14 for me and 18 for you. So what's that? That's over 31. 30. Win, win. Game over. Boom. Money, 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 money. I actually like that. It finally thwarts Ed's constant preparation. (laughs) Yeah, there's no way to prepare for what's about to happen in this game. Prepare this, Ed. Bam. (laughs) Didn't even get a chance to play a third card. That was it. (laughs) I got two actions. The game is over. So, yeah, that's a little too short in my opinion. Yeah, in the team game... um, it went by really quick. 30 points with two players working together on it is a lot easier than 21 points for a single player. Yeah, because there's too many ways for you to lose stuff. I really enjoyed the art and layout of these cards. Yeah, when you play a card for its ability, you're supposed to turn the card sideways to indicate that it's not being used as treasure. But uh, that turns the text sideways. So the card positioning rule could have been a little bit better to better suit reading the abilities. Well, they do have the word permanent written sideways, so maybe that's what they meant. The game didn't seem to depend on a lot of direct cancellation. Some games have a lot of direct and immediate cancellation. I'm playing a creature out. Oh, I'm going to kill the creature. Uh, there is a fair amount of that in this game. And one of the games, the three-player games we played, that actually went maybe past five minutes. So who knows? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, because uh, somebody was getting close, but we were able to... Uh, cancel out all the cards on the board. I think we did like one where we wiped the whole board and started again. There's a, there is a kraken that wipes out all the permanents. And there's also like cards that you can steal treasure from each other too. So it kind of swings the numbers. The numbers are swingy because they're so big. Some of them, like there's a ten point treasure and you're trying to get to twenty one or thirty, and you know you're a third of the way there or even more than halfway, almost halfway there in one single card. Right. I really liked the art. It was humorous and cartoony. It had a muted color palette, but I thought it was still very friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kelly Joe did a nice job with the art. I, I like the art because it told you this isn't going to be a long game. It's fun, lighthearted, so you know you're not in for a long commitment. Yeah. yeah, it's perfectly appropriate to the style of gameplay, and it definitely helps set the mood. Mm-hmm. You know, the cards are great. They're smooth. They shuffle well. Um, they're good quality. Yeah, they're actually a little smaller than nar- and narrower than regular cards, mm-hmm. so they're made yeah. easy to shuffle. Yeah, I agree. They are easy. To, they are easier to shuffle. Um, you know, it's so easy to pick up this game and learn the rules instantly. It is one of those instant play games. Always great for kids. I love mm-hmm. that. Although I haven't had an opportunity, I know I'd enjoy playing it with my kids. Yeah, and you could play the free-for-all version with your kids instead of the team version, too, if you wanted to. Although you have enough of them to play teams, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could definitely muster enough kids for team play. Uh, <laughs> let me, I want to talk about the, uh, designer. So Peter C. Hayward, did you guys meet this guy? Oh, the, the publishing company is Jelly Bean. Um, I don't know if he calls himself Jelly Bean, but, but he might as well because he looks like a blue Jelly Bean. Like he paints his skin and beard blue and it's like a wild, crazy beard. He was easy to find. Oh yeah. He could pick him out of a crowd for sure. 
And I just want to give a shout out to his personal website, which is exceptionally awesome for quirky entertainment. There are such bizarre and random things that he has been involved with that he shows off on his website. I particularly liked his link about his failed TV pilots. And they <laughs> they actually have homespun low-budget videos of oh, the pilots man. there. I highly recommend them for entertainment. <laughs> oh, we got to have him on the show, man. We got to get this guy on. He does seem like a lot of fun. I mean, definitely check out his website at peterchayward.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my favorite TV pilot there was The Map Shop. I highly recommend it. <laughs> I, I'll be watching that as soon as we're done today. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, he was running a booth at PAX? Yeah, he was. And he has a plethora of games there. He actually gave us a couple other ones, too, um, to try out, which I'm sure we'll be doing soon on the show. All right. It's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Scuttle. Mike, how about you? If I'm looking for a filler that virtually anyone can play, this one fits the bill. So dig it up. Ed, how about you? Well, I personally found it a little bit too short for my taste. It can offer fun twists and turns in just a few minutes. So if you don't have a lot of time, it may be worth digging up for some fast chuckle. Joe, how about you? While you can take extra care to protect your treasure, doing this does cost you time. And in a game this short, time's in short supply. Either way, this adds tension to the game and keeps it lively. My personal reason for digging it up. Huh, that's interesting. Strategy. Well, if you're looking for a quick game and an upbeat game, Scuttle will not fail you. I would absolutely play this with anyone, so dig it up. Joe, where can you find it? You can find Scuttle on the Jellybean Games website where it says, We make simple, funny, gorgeous games that take five minutes to learn and will captivate you and your family. If you have thoughts about Scuttle, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game up is San Juan, designed by Andreas Seifarth, published by Alia and Rio Grande Games in 2004. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 10 and up. Runtime, 45 to 60 minutes. Okay, first impressions, Joe? This game's like Puerto Rico in many ways, but has fewer roles to choose from. There's also no board and no ships. But you still have those extra special, expensive, and glorious achievements available to build for more yummy victory points. Mike, how about you? We only have a little over an hour. Um, how are we going to play Puerto Rico right now? Oh, San Juan? Eh, maybe we can manage a single city in a reasonable amount of time. Ed, how about you? Good morning, Governor. I provided the latest production reports from your state, and it seems that two of your plantations have completed their harvest and have goods ready to sell. Uh, when everywhere I looked, I saw nothing but the trappings of supply and demand, I was worried. But before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about how it's played. San Juan is a card game based on Puerto Rico, a larger board game. The deck of 110 cards consists of production buildings, indigo, sugar, tobacco, coffee, and silver, and violet buildings that grant special powers or extra victory points. Cards from the hand can be either built or used as money to build something else. Every round, starting with the governor, each player selects one of the available roles, which causes the activity to be performed by all players, such as producing goods or constructing buildings or trading. The person who picks the role gets a privilege that gives them an advantage in that activity. 
The game ends as soon as one player has put 12 buildings up. The player with the most victory points provided by those buildings wins the game. So this game felt like Puerto Rico, but it was a fast forwarded version of it because it was just cards. <sighs> mercifully, mercifully shorter than Puerto Rico. Oh, I mean, yeah. it condensed to the little goodness of it. <laughs> I agree, Ed. I, I think that's a great way of putting it. When I look at resource management games, I get scared because I'm like, oh boy, is this going to be fun or is this going to feel like work? You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I organize so many things in my everyday life, you know, from (laughs) breakfast to backpacks to business to building to coming home and getting everybody to bed. It's nonstop resource management and organizational (laughs) skills. So when I see a game like that, I'm like, oh my goodness. But this game took out all of the grueling aspects of it, in particular the length. Yeah, all the intimidating parts of Puerto Rico were kind of pulled out of this and just left you with the the most important vital parts of the game. I I would venture to say all the tedious parts. For for example, you don't have to allocate workers. And I loved the aspect of choosing the roles. I have become a fan of that. Uh, I really liked it in Carson City because each turn you get to choose a new advantage. Yeah, I really like role selection games. They're, they're really good. You see it in Twilight Imperium too. It's very satisfying. One of the cool things about a role selection, especially in this game, is that some of the roles might not get selected. So you're forced to say, I need to do this role this turn and I can't rely on somebody else to pick it for me. Yeah. So that makes a really interesting strategic choice for this game. Producer, trader, which one? I'm going to do producer. Producer! Hey, what's that? Yeah. I will Give produce coffee. two. Oh, how come you get to produce two? Because you're the trader. Because he's the producer. Still get the privilege. Right. Sometimes you take it for the advantage. Sometimes you take a role for the necessity. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it is a great balance and it really keeps me immersed in the game because I always get a chance to do something new and it's always suspenseful because if you're not going first, you're not sure the role you want is going to be available to you. Mm-hmm. Like if you want it for the advantage, it might not be there. Ed might grab it before me and then mm-hmm. I'm stuck making new decisions, mm-hmm. but I'm so, I'm so revved up about <laughs> getting my role that I'm, I'm interested in making those decisions. I'm not bored by them. Yeah, and it keeps you engaged when you're watching the other people choose their roles because you have to sometimes change yep. your things that so you're going to do that turn. Another thing about the role selection that makes you pay attention to what the other's doing so you can see what role benefit them and you can predict which one they're going to take and then which one can be left for you. And, and maybe you don't want to do a role because it's going to be much better for them than to you. Yeah, or sometimes yeah. you want to take a role that will be too beneficial for somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pick a role to block somebody else. Yeah. Who would do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, every single person at our table. <laughs> yes. But if you do that too much, you'll you know end up sacrificing your own plans. So you, you yeah. can't do that all the time. I know people that do that. They'll just play to drag the other people down. They'll pick one victim <laughs> and just drag them to the abyss. <laughs> Another great mechanic I liked about this game was the customized victory points. Certain cards give you advantages to your victory point score. You might play a card that allows you to gain more victory points for your violet buildings or more victory points for your production buildings. It's another way to stay engaged and keep your goals front and center. And you might have a lot of great buildings in your hand that you want to build, but you only get a maximum of 12. So you're trying to build that synergy between the strategy you're trying to win with. 
And I think another th mechanic that's really cool in the game is the way the cards are used. You're using your cards both as currency, as goods, and as building to build. So it's tough. It's like, wow, I like I, I would like to build both of these buildings, but if I want to build one now, I have to give up one of those. It's a really efficient way to use the cards, but it's, I know I can see some people being a little confused by the fact that your card is a building or money or goods. I get it. I get how that can be confusing, but I loved it. Yeah, yeah. me too. I absolutely loved not having a stack of like fake Monopoly money nearby. And I and I loved the feeling of the cards just burning past in all of these different ways. Like, oh, just grab five cards. Don't even look at them because they're going to be money. Yeah. <laughs> I already know what I'm building. What they are is unimportant to me. They yeah. are simply bucks. Although you sometimes will draw a card that makes you go, hmm, maybe I can switch it up a little bit with this awesome card. Which is cool. But I think what the game really highlights, though, is the importance of card drawing. Card drawing is just currently in and of itself. I mean, I was very confused in the first couple of turns, but it's really not that hard. Yep, agreed. I'm, I, it isn't hard once you gather the concept, and I think anybody is going to grab it. Um, it's just a little, like, off-putting or nerve-wracking. Like, wait a minute, I don't even look at these cards. Wait, they're <laughs> money now? But the feeling of forward momentum that you get by just picking up cards all the time and using them for different things made the game move quickly for me and that is always a concern for me feeling forward momentum it was kind of a balance for me because i am like allergic to waste and inefficiency and just getting rid of all those cards as currency feels like you're wasting opportunities because the <laughs> opportunities come flying by you you have to pick your battles you know and then if you don't seize on them immediately you know they're gone and you can you can you can get stuck you know kicking yourself for you know, things you didn't do two turns ago. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's incredibly counterproductive. Think of it this way, Mike. It's highly efficient from a game production standpoint. Oh, you, oh yeah. You don't need to make production cards. You don't need to make a separate deck. You don't need to print money. You can just use the deck of cards for everything. You don't even need meeples. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, as a game designer and producer, yeah, that sounds beautiful. There you go. There's efficiency <laughs> for you. Yeah. And the production value of the game is great. I mean, it's mm -hmm. well produced. It's got simple but clear art, very subdued palette, but tonally appropriate. I thought it had a very classy looking, attractive font on the cards. <laughs> Such a classy font. And it was nice that they uh, the different farms that you had matched the colors on the market nicely so that you can tell this is producing something worth that much. You know, it's easy to mm -hmm. match up what the things do. And I like the the components of the game overall. It comes with, like, the, the two decks of cards. It has the, the placards for your role, the little strips for your trading. And it all comes in a nice box where it has a pad and, get this, a little mini pencil for your score pad. They always forget the pencil, and I love that this game includes it. I really hate the pencil. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> for God's sake, just use a regular pencil. If I was a game producer, I would spend extra money for a full-size pencil. 100%. <laughs> so the game designer has two, and, and I know Ed will love this, two Spiel de Jarises under his belt. Yeah. I was worried about it when I when Ed started reading the rules to us, though. Gosh, why do the rules for these games have to be more complicated than actually playing the game? There's people like me and Ed who look for any kind of exploit in the rules, so they have to be extraordinarily clear or we'll exploit this game to death. It, it is a little verbose, but they are 
very clear. I mean, if you're reading it, they even go into example. Like right in this section, they talk about it and then, no, this interaction with this card does this and this interaction with <laughs> that card does that. And it's all right there in the section about building. And they'll tell about the special buildings that modify the building phase because you're going to want to know that. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Examples. I mean, I want to cry big girl tears when Ed starts reading an example. In <laughs> well, that's because we want to just get into the game, like jump right in. But then later on, we have a big argument about how something works. And you're like, darn it. If we only had an example. That's when you refer to the example. <laughs> I actually did that this game, too. It's like, <laughs> right. Celeste's like, well, show me that in the rule book. Bam. There it is. But that's it. Show it to me when I need it in context, not not as some abstract way before I even know how to move the cards around. And then somebody will go to me, well, why didn't you tell me the rule before you started playing? Of course, you can't win. You guys realize you just can't win either way on this one, right? <laughs> well, when I started just explaining just how the, how the rules work off the cuff, I think I went a lot faster. Yeah, it did. Definitely. And yeah. I would recommend that to anybody. Make somebody read the rules and then just give you the summary. That's my recommendation every time we play a game. <laughs> That's always your recommendation, your default recommendation. <laughs> my default for life is give me the summary. I agree. Uh, me and Celeste ended on a tie for first, and mm-hmm. uh, we had to go to double tiebreaker. <laughs> I eventually came out ahead. Yeah, ultimately it came down to production buildings versus um, non-production, which is interesting because he chose, and this is actually a good strategy point, he chose a victory point advantage card that rewarded him for production buildings. Well, it wasn't the production buildings. It was how many goods you have left on those buildings. So you could have had one building with one good on it. And if I had just spent all my goods, you would have won that tiebreaker. So that was interesting too, just an interesting... Uh, interesting tip for advanced players. Look at those. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those tiebreakers. people who are going to play a lot, check out those tiebreakers and maybe plan accordingly. <laughs> okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury San Juan. Joe, how about you? While I have a slight preference for Puerto Rico overall, I do like how fast San Juan can be set up, how fast it can be run, and how quick and easy the scoring is. Dig it up. Mike? I like Puerto Rico a lot, but if I'm just looking for a quick and dirty portable game with an easy learning curve, this is a nice substitute. So dig it up. Ed, how about you? Have the smelter fire up his furnace, for he have dug up some fine silver this morning. Yeah, I mean, if I gotta push goods around for an hour to score some points, there are way worse games to do it with. (laughs) And with that ringing endorsement, I say dig up San Juan. Ed, where can you find it? A second edition of San Juan was released in 2014, which comes with 143 cards as it includes the expansion treasure chest. I've seen this game readily available at my friendly local gaming store and online. It goes for about 30 bucks. And if you have thoughts about San Juan, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Hero Realms, designed by Robert Dougherty and Darwin Castle, published by White Wizard Games in 2016. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 12 and up, runtime 20 to 30 minutes. First impressions, Ed? Bring forth your best champions as the enemies are at the gate. Joe, how about you? When I first saw this game, I was worried. I I thought it was going to be too simple. Mike, how about you? I loves me some deck builders and fantasy, so I was excited to bust this one out. 
I'm always open-minded about card games where you blow out your whole hand every turn. <laughs> oh, yeah. But before we chat about that, let me tell you a little bit about how it's played. Hero Realms is a strategic deck-building game that can be played head-to-head, in teams, or in a free-for-all mode. Each player starts with a basic personal deck of cards representing their resources, equipment, actions, and champions. Each turn, you will play all of the cards from your hand to gain gold, combat, health, and other powerful effects. Gold is used to buy cards from the market to add to your deck. These cards represent the actions you can perform and champions you can recruit to your side. Combat is used to attack other players and their champions. Each player begins the game with 50 health. When a player has no health remaining, they are out of the game. Last one standing wins. Um, we actually played the version where it's uh, called Hydra, where you have two teams of two and they share a health pool. So our health pool was 75 to start with. Um, I liked the card counter that kept track of your um, health. Well, apparently the authors of the game actually prefer the notepad because they say they actually suggest you use a pen and paper, but we include the trackers if you uh, prefer. Oh, that's weird. I like the trackers. <laughs> yeah, I like the, the uh... trackers too. Especially the, yeah. the ones that come from the character pack that have a portrait. This is a sister game to Star Realms. It's like, you know, a medieval fantasy version of it. it has some changes to it. But in that game, the, the, the health tracker was a bunch of separate cards that you'd flip over from 5 to 1 or 10 to 20. This is a nice thing where you just slide it down and the numbers change as you slide the card over the other card. I loved the mechanics of Star Realms. I really enjoyed Star Realms, and it was designed by the same designer, Darwin Castle, who, if that is his real name, kudos <laughs> to his parents who, for assuming he would grow up to be a protagonist in a spy thriller series. <laughs> or a biologist. <laughs> right, or a biologist. He did a great job with Star Realms, and I'm glad he decided to take the same mechanic. And... Not just lay another skin on it, but use it again. Uh, it's so worthwhile. I would use it 10 times if I were him. Yeah, it's great. It still keeps the simplicity of the factions being separated and giving synergy to each other. Um, but it added a couple new mechanics with a character that you actually can play uh, where you're the thief yeah. or the warrior and you start off with a, a slightly different basic deck. The abilities are slightly different. Right. And I think it really adds to the flavor of the game. I think it's cool. So, Joe, you were concerned that there wasn't enough that would be happening in the game. When you finally played it, did, did you feel that way? I can pretty well track down the moment where my mind changed about the game. It was a particular card that came out called Smash and Grab. <laughs> it, I really liked the art of it. I mean, it, it, and it, it sort of showed there, okay, this is what thieves are doing as opposed to, you know, other people. <laughs> in the game. That's why these things that I thought were just kind of window dressing actually matter to the game. And and the art helped win me over. The characters shown in the art on the cards are not jaded, world-weary people out of an R.A. Salvatore novel. They are refreshingly <laughs> naive enough to respond with genuine outrage and a perfectly ordinary burglary. I mean, by, <laughs> by, by the time I got to see this card, I was starting to see there was more to this game than I'd previously thought. Oh, yeah, I thought they were really clever about the types of cards they had because there weren't just which card does the most damage. Yeah. I mean, Ed played a card on me that stole one of my characters away from me, and that hurt. Mm. <laughs> so, Ouch. you know, the, that stealth aspect was pretty interesting, and I thought it was well represented. 
Now, the addition of characters, that's a expansion, right? The basic game doesn't play with characters added on, right? That, right, that's right. Well, you have char- generic characters, yes, with a generic deck. Well, the character pack, that they call them, we, we have the fighter and the thief. They add mm-hmm. two abilities, plus their starting deck is a little different. For example, mm-hmm. the uh, the thief doesn't have the short sword and the, and the long sword. They have just uh, a bunch of throwing knives. And uh, the the warrior started off with an axe that if he does a lot of damage in one turn, he gets to draw an extra card. So it's kind of like a berserker thing that he can do. I mean, the I agree with Joe. The art is interesting. People on the cards look vivid and lively, like they are really in it to win it. And also with the art, I thought that since the game is divided into factions, I thought they did a great job separating the different factions, not just by the color of the card, but by the picture on there. Because the thieves were always in a back alley somewhere (laughs) and the warriors were always out front, like, you know, ready to swing an axe or something like that, you know. Synergy was a big thing between factions in Star Realms. Did you feel like it played just as much in this game? Oh, as much or more so. Yeah. Yeah, I think even more so. And uh, so basically, if you get a faction card, if you add more of those faction cards to your hand, you tended to get even more bonuses. I like that too. It really keeps you involved in picking cards uh, and gives you something else to think about, but it doesn't overcomplicate. And as we were playing as teams too, it was fun to like decide which one of us is going to take the card so we can actually separate the factions out into each person's deck. Because even though we're working together, the people who play the card matter to whether the synergy happens or not. Like, for example, uh, I was trying to build up uh, the green faction while Joe was building up the blue faction. Yeah, that's one thing about the team play is that you can actually separate that more. When you're playing a single player, you have to be a little more selective about which cards you put in your deck. Yeah. Um, and I also thought, too, with team play, since you're sharing a pool of money, you can start the game off right away with the bigger cards instead of building your engine as much you could almost go straight to the damage cards yeah it's getting it's getting the game started twice as fast when you play teams i like that a lot yeah you don't spend the first 15 minutes of the game shoveling coal <laughs> right <laughs> that's one thing i really liked about the mechanic the really simple loose structure of the turn you have a single main phase it's basically play out all your cards and do what they say and then the combat and the gold are just pulled up for you to use later in that turn you don't need to Spend all one card on one thing, and if you have leftover shame, too bad you lost it. No, just add it up together and spend it how you want. True, although there are cards that force you to place things in certain order. Like, if you have this much attack on the table, this happens. Or play this card, and you can discard a card and draw a new one or something like that. So you still have to be careful about what order you play them in. But in general, your turn is just flop your hand out and do everything you can do with it. Oh, yes. Uh, and I really like the the champions in the game. They're really cool. They add a lot of flavor. Like, so some champions are clearly going out and doing battle where others are more designed to be defenders. Our champions are not the characters you play, but cards in your deck, right? Yeah, they're like the heroes. They, they stay out and play. They don't go back into your hand when you put them out. Oh, champions are the ones that stick around. Right, right. Yeah, you use them up each turn to do something like get some coins or add to your attack or different stuff for your synergy of your cards. There was a lot of personality in those cards, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that there wasn't a lot to read, which I really appreciated. So this is another game that you guys picked up at PAX. Uh, Where Mm -hmm. did you get it? Uh, We got this from uh, 
Debbie Moynihan at White Wizard Games. We had a kind of a long sit down with her. She's an amazing person, like a lot of fun to talk to. And she's one of their marketing people, but or the marketing person, I guess you could say. And she is so enthusiastic about the game she has there. She told us about a bunch of different games, like some Star Realms uh, expansions that are coming out. Um, a new game called Sorcerer, I think it is, right, Ed? Sorcerer, yes. That looked great. They, sh- uh, they showed us the pre-production copy of it, and it looked awesome. Yay! Yeah, that Can't conversation wait. went on for a while, it was, and it was a real pleasure. All right, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Hero Realms. Joe, how about you? I'll dig this up. It's not my favorite card game ever, but it's good fun and easy to learn. A great gateway for people new to this kind of game. Ed, how about you? It's similar to Star Realm, but they succeeded in presenting a different experience. The addition of the hero decks are excellent in providing a different role to play, using a custom starting deck and a couple abilities. Unearth this treasure to build on to adventure. And Mike, how about you? I have a natural affinity for card strategy games, deck builders especially, and this one is similar to some of my favorites with a couple really interesting additions, so I'd say dig it up. Yeah, I just really like the mechanics, and I'm delighted that Mr. Castle decided to use it again. Dig it up. (laughs) Mike, where can you find it? There's a bunch of expansions, and you can get it online or at your friendly local gaming store or at one of the conventions. And if you have thoughts about Hero Realms, we would love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks or content from our show, including exclusive episodes, for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. If you get a chance, please leave us a review or a rating on your favorite podcaster and join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First? And our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media site. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. Goodbye, adventurers. Happy gaming. Happy gaming. May the force be with you. <laughs>